You are listening to Activate Your Goals, a podcast on winning strategies to help you achieve the goals that matter to you. Each week, we'll dive into different areas affecting the outcome of your goals. I'm your host and accountability coach, Yemi Apolabi. Let's win this. Today, I am honored to have our very first guest on the show, Abimbola Akintoye Oguntunde, fondly known as Coach Beams. She helps bring true transformation to her clients as they heal the pain of their past, reconnect with their inherent value, inner genius and beauty, discover their divine purpose, design their dream future and flourish freely. So Coach Beams, do tell us a little more about who you are and how you came to this point of being a transformational trauma-informed life and purpose coach. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here and to be your first guest as well. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm really, really honored to be here. And so, yes, everything you read in my bio is exactly what I do. My name is Abimbola Akintoyo Gutude, but everybody calls me Coach Bims. So what I do is I help my clients. So my clients are usually women who have suffered some sort of trauma in the past Mm. and find that they feel stuck and somehow, you know, there are barriers to self-love, to self-awareness and to being able to fulfill their dreams. So what I do is I help to take them from that place of being stuck and we literally pulverize the barriers and break them down. So that they can cross over to the side of being victorious in the things that they do. They can fulfill their dreams. And as we say in our zone and in our tribe, so that they can flourish freely. So that's what we're called. We're called flourish freely because that's what we want people to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that's who I am. That's what I do in a nutshell. And so how did I get to this point is a very interesting question. Because people often say to me, Trauma is not the most obvious choice of work to be doing. Why do you do this work? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I believe that as we go through life, the work that we are sent here, first of all, I believe that every single one of us is sent here to do something. We're sent here with a purpose, for a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, I like to say there's none of us who came off the, um, you know, the conveyor belt, this this production line. And God said, oops, there's another one. What shall I do with that one? I don't think it works like that. Yeah. You know, I'm fully convinced that we're all specially crafted for purpose. Yeah. And so, you know, as we come, but when we come, we don't know what the purpose is. But as we go through life, the work that we are here to do will find us. We will collide with it somehow. And everybody's journey is different. But on your journey, there will be pointers to purpose. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the pointers to my purpose were shrouded in pain. Mm. I didn't know that's what they were. (laughs) Yeah. But I know now that's what they were. And so the reason I do the work that I do, really, is because when i was a child between the ages of four and nine i was sexually abused by family members i suppose you know when you have relatives living with you 
Um, and so, you know, it was a repeated experience mm. with more than one person, so multiple people. And so the meaning that I made of that, because as you and I know, human beings are meaning-making machines. Yeah. And when you encounter an experience like that when you're a child, you will make a meaning of it, mm -hmm. depending on how it happens to you. So in my case, I wasn't threatened. In my case, you know, I was made to feel like a willing participant. It was like our little secret. Mm. You know, and to this day, I still don't understand how that happened repeatedly you know, with several people. But what I then believed, the belief that I created, was that it was somehow my fault. Because even though I didn't understand the gravity of what I was doing, or gravity of what was happening, I beg your pardon, I knew enough to know that it had to remain hidden. Mm. So that meant that it was bad. Because whatever you had to hide from my mom was definitely bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so I knew enough to know that. But I thought I was a participant in this. And so I carried this belief about myself this belief that I was bad, this belief that I was broken, because there were three female children in the house. Mm. And I was the only one that it happened to. And so I believed that my personality, you know, I'm very bubbly, I'm very flighty. I was the one who was always told, oh, can't you just be still for a minute? So I thought all those things were the reasons why, you know, this happened to me. And so I just internalized it and believed that I was bad, believed that I was broken, believed, you know. And so I carried this image of myself for many years, you know, and I rejected the essence of who I was. Because if you think you're bad, then you don't really want that person. And you yeah. can't really love that person. In reality, you really cannot. But, you know, I carried on with life. Until, until, I got to a point in my life where you know, you carry something for a long time and then it begins to unravel. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to begin to face it. Because what happens is that, you know, when you've suffered significant trauma, you construct a facade and you create survival mechanisms, coping mechanisms, survival patterns that keep you safe. And so you carry on with your life. So on the surface, one part of me was getting along with life, going to university, taking a master's degree, getting married, having children, having a career. So on one side, it looked like everything was all right. Mm -hmm. But I like to say that I was, my body was going to work. My body was doing all these things, but my soul was left behind. Mm -hmm. My soul wasn't in it. And so at some point, that discrepancy, that discord, that disconnection began to show. And I started to think, why am I so unhappy? Mm. Why? And then, you know, with age comes self-awareness, right? Yes. So, you know, I started to think, what, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Why do I act this way? You know, I would notice certain things about myself. Why do I procrastinate so? 
why do I self-sabotage so much? You know, I know what to do hmm. for my own good, but I won't do it. But if anybody else came up to me, I would give everything to them. You know, and I would notice all these patterns of behavior. And I think, what is up with you? And so I started to kind of look into self-development. In fact, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional at that stage, I must be honest. My mom started to send me books by Jim Rohn and I have all these self-development books. Oh, Bim, I read this really lovely book. You will love it. She'll she send it to me. Some I read, I'm going to be very honest, some I didn't really read at the time. And so I carried on with life, you know, but I, I would have these minor little crises of unhappiness and they would kind of pop out. And if anything happened, I would almost unravel. Mm. You know, and I, I, I knew there was something the matter. So anyway, everything came to a head one weekend. Um, it was a women's event. And so it was all women there. And we were talking about love. In fact, I think it was about this time of the year, to be honest, because we were talking about love. And, you know, the thing the lady asked, the pastor who led it, she asked a question. She asked, how do you envisage love close your eyes and think about what love means and so i started to think and she must have been watching me because she then came up to me and she said what happened to you babe? and you know i carried this thing at this point i was 44 years old wow so for 40 years i had developed a way of carrying this thing hmm. right of coping with it, of rolling with the punches. And so I just said it matter of factly. I was sexually abused as a child. And so she looked at me and she went on to the next person because she was going around the room. Well, as it would happen, when it was lunchtime, I was sat next to her, purely by coincidence. And so she, you know, I was chatting. I'm a very chatty person. I like to talk. I like to laugh. As I was chatting with her, I was chatting with the whole table as normal, eating my lunch. And so she looked at me, and I'm sure in her mind she must have thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> so she looked at me and she said, you don't know what happened to you, do you, babe? And I thought, what's she talking about? And she said, what happened to you is called rape. And I thought, no, come on. Of course not. I was a willing participant. Because even up to the age of 44, that's what I believed. So that belief had become a thinking pattern. It was a system in my mind. It was deeply entrenched. And I had never questioned it. I accepted, I formed it as a child. I accepted it as a child and I held on to it all my life. And so I said, I said, and she said you were four years old then and she, then she gave me an example and she said she mentioned the little girl in church and she said so and so's daughter and she mentioned the little girl's name mm. is five years old and the minute she said that for the first time I could see this little girl and I thought my brain exploded Mm. Because I thought, how? How could she possibly 
know anything about any such thing. And now the interesting thing is that I'm a mother of two daughters. And I had raised my children past that age. Mm. But my self-image was so broken that I could not even identify with my innocent children. Mm. I thought I was always bad. So when they were little, they were innocent. So I couldn't identify with them. And that was the beginning of my breakthrough. Wow. Because obviously lunch was over for me, right? <laughs> there was no more eating after that. And I just started to scream. I just began to scream. And so she took me to a side room and she talked to me and da 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 da. And so that day, I made a decision. One that I would never carry the shame again. Two, that I would never agree to bear the guilt that I had carried for 40 years. For 40 years, I was ashamed. For 40 years, I, I thought I was guilty. And I also said I would, every opportunity I got, I would tell my story to help other people realize that you are not your story. Mm. And that by telling your story, you actually set yourself free. Mm. You know. So I then began a process of healing. And in the beginning, I tried to do it myself because I didn't, really didn't know what to do. Mm. And so I tried this and it was long and it was winding and I, ah, you know, it was this hard work. And so one day I spoke to my GP because then I started to have sleep problems and I started to have all sorts of things. And in the midst of all this, as I was growing up, I was diagnosed with a very serious illness. And I believe that because the, the research has shown, science has shown that people with unresolved trauma are prone to autoimmune disorders. Autoimmune disorders are disorders of the immune system that doctors don't know why. They will say to you, this is what you have, but we don't know why. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a very strong link of causality between unresolved trauma and autoimmune diseases. And so for me, you know, trauma literally broke my body and almost broke my mind. And so one day when I couldn't sleep, my blood pressure was going up, I had all sorts of issues, I spoke to my GP and she sent me to a counsellor. And that was the first step. She wasn't really able to help me very much, but she opened my eyes to some things. And then I realized that I needed more targeted help. Mm. And so when I got that help, I then trained as a coach so that I could help other people. Because I know that there is an epidemic of trauma. And now, not everybody suffers child sexual abuse. For some people, it's the breakdown of the family relationships yeah. for some people it's you know and trauma is not just childhood trauma mm -hmm. you can be traumatized at 70 yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you can be traumatized at any age i mean goodness me we have all been traumatized whatever age we are by covid yes you know it's people have lost all sorts we've lost community i mean i i I can't wait till I can comfortably hug people again. I'm a hugger. <laughs> I haven't hugged anyone in nearly a year. Yes. 
I mean, it's, wow. you know, it's a lot. And for some people, that's not a lot because some people have lost businesses. They've mm. lost family members. I've lost friends. You know, we've all lost stuff. And so there's all sorts of trauma. But what trauma does is that it cages you. As it breaks your heart, it cages you and keeps you stuck to one spot. Mm -hmm. And it'll keep you there until it is dealt with. So that's the work that I do because my dream and my desire and my goal and my life's mission is to see people flourish freely. I believe that everybody has something to give. Yes. Something of value. But trauma stops you. Mm-hmm. And so it's a message of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mission of freedom that we may be the we may live in the fullness of who we're created to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I do what I do. And that's how I got here. But that's that's amazing. <laughs> such a powerful story, with James. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something you said that caught my attention. Um, so you know, you went through a, pro- a process of self awareness. You know, as you developed over time. And then you, you describe this situation where you were, you know, in a church and you were talking to someone. And you said when, you know, you had that light bulb moment, you made a decision not to be held back by the shame of how many years, you know, you made that decision. That is key. You know, for some people, they, they have these traumatic experiences and they, they may be aware that this is what's happening with them, but, you know, they just can't move past it. You know, how, what helped you to make that decision? And, you know, it's like, it's almost like you made a decision and you took steps almost immediately to help you move away from the pain. You know, the truth of the matter is that when you have what I call an underlying unhappiness Mm. because that's what trauma will do to you there's an underlying pain there's an underlying unhappiness it becomes heavy Mm. to carry it really does you learn to carry it and sometimes you don't even realize how heavy it is yeah because you become used to it Mm -hmm. it's like a permanent jacket that you're wearing and so sometimes even dare i say it becomes a very familiar and useful friend. Yes. Because it gives you, you know, room to make excuses for certain things that you're doing or not doing. You know, so it can be very complex, this relationship we have with, with whatever traumas we have suffered. But you get to the point where you're almost desperate. Hmm. And I think, you know, once you get to the point where you realize your eyes open to the gravity of what you have lost, what trauma has cost you, what you know, what it's how it's holding you back. At that moment, you receive power to make the change. Mm. Now, is that change at that point permanent? Possibly not. Sometimes for, for someone, it could be someone listening to this podcast who says actually i've heard this story Mm. and today is my own day Mm. of my own light bulb moment Mm. 
you know so whatever opportunity i always say to people who who hear me whatever opportunity you have it might be tiny it might just be a tiny crack in the door push your foot into it mm -hmm. be determined not to let that door close on you again mm. first put hold your space with that foot first of all those two inches just put your stick your foot in there first and then we begin to think okay so how do i wriggle myself and get my whole leg in mm. and how do i get my whole body in but first of all that foot is not going out because that door will not shut again you know and so i think that's what happened to me really like you said it was a light bulb moment and if you know what shame feels like if you know what guilt feels like this was 40 years worth mm. and if you imagine the decisions that i had made in those 40 years you know the things that i had done in those 40 years the you know i like to say that trauma is like an invisible hand at the back of our heads yes controlling us and we don't know why we don't know it's there so it's controlling your perceptions your decision making the actions that you take and then you lie there and you think what is the matter with me mm. but it's there's something controlling you and because also what we do is we bury the memory of the trauma so we don't bring it out to say, ah, this must be a result of the trauma. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. We just carry on with life. And so whenever you have that opportunity, there is a moment that occurs. Maybe you hear somebody's story, you read an article, you're in a, an environment where something happens. There is a moment where you, you realize you might not be able to make the decision. Mm -hmm. But the realization comes up. I need to sort this out. Yeah. This will do. I need to do something about this. And so, yeah. So, but for me, because I had carried it for so long, and like I said, honestly, trauma had dealt with me pretty mm -hmm. brutally. I, 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 I felt cheated. I felt cheated. I felt cheated of 40 years of joy. Mm -hmm. 40 years of inner peace, 40 years of self-love, 40, you know, all the people pleasing. The first time I was able to say no to a friend, I was 19 years old. Wow. As I tell you the story, I can still remember how I felt. My mouth was shaking. Mm. You see, so I had lost so much to trauma. I wasn't going to lose another day without at least making an effort yeah that, that's amazing and it's it's almost like saying you know like no matter what has happened to us in this life it's up to us to mm. take responsibility for our healing yeah and yeah you know, it, it may not be our fault that you know we experienced trauma but the healing is actually our individual responsibility and and i think that's a quite an important thing to note mm. another thing that's quite interesting for me is the fact that you know so throughout these 40 years um even though you were you know still moving on with life you still had this victim mentality towards the trauma um but now after you've gone through this process of transformation and healing you are now talking from a place of victory like you've oh, yes. overcome 
this this trauma can you can you you know for someone who is still in that dark place can you try to describe what it feels like now to be free from you know the the shame of trauma there's one word power mm. personal power you know what trauma does it's a thief it robs you of the power to make your decisions it robs you of the power of self trust mhm because you don't trust yourself because you think deep down inside you think there's something wrong with you so you don't trust yourself you don't trust your own opinions you don't trust your own decisions you know it makes a mess of you mm. and so when i look back at that person that i was who always had a facade on i put a brave face on you know if you had met me then you'd have said oh she's so confident you know it was all a front it was all a sham mm. and so for years having suffered that i look at where i am now and i i'm almost more than just victorious yes i am now also a helper to other people amazing you know because it's i realized along my journey that you know my favorite aunt says something she says god is not a waster mm. you want and then i have another friend who says oh but don't waste your pain don't she's she's jamaican and she says don't waste your pain <laughs> you know i love the way she says it sings song you know and it's true because your pain is not meant to crush mm. it's not meant to crush you know on your way to on your way to fulfillment of purpose like i said there are pointers to your purpose yes mine was shrouded in pain now that i do what i do i know why all my life i was an informal coach i was the one people would come to and say oh being this being that you know and i would solve people's problems emotional problems you know somebody my friend said to me the other day you know you're my miss fix it mm. every problem i have i just think i'm going to call them <laughs> you know and it's the same thing you know oh gosh my husband's driving me around the bend oh i'm having this problem i have this health problem people call me i'm not a doctor mm. but i always had that thing i talk to strangers in the shops i talk to strangers on planes they tell me their secrets i couldn't understand why but now i see mm. that rather than just speaking to people for no reason The work that I've been sent to this earth to do is to stand on the platform of my pain, mm-hmm. of my past pain, so that I can gather people around me and help them to create their own platforms to stand on from where they can launch into their best life. Amazing. And so yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and I really hope you know like anyone listening to this podcast, you know, like this would be like a a light bulb moment. How big it how small it may be, you know, just to help them move past, you know, the pain from from their trauma. Um so just one last question from me is is when people, you know, hold on to 
their pain and the trauma and they use it as maybe like an excuse for not achieving their goals you know sometimes it's because it's easier just to <laughs> to fall back on that excuse but what would you say to, to such a person you know that they don't because sometimes it feels like people don't want to be helped and they just enjoy you know the comfort of their pain and and they, they just created a cubicle for themselves in in that pain so what do you think to such a person you know to to try at least try to move out of that bubble you know one major thing that trauma does is it deposits fear into the center of your soul so you're fearful mm. now the thing about fear is that fear doesn't come knocking on your door and saying knock knock here i am my name is fear it doesn't it camouflages itself as other things mm. or this is procrastination procrastination is a sign of fear Yeah. It's because you're afraid to take the step that you need to take because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. Fear of failure. You know that you want to do certain things, you don't want to do them, you don't do them because you don't know whether you will fail and you're afraid of what that will mean about you. Mm. What does that mean? What does that say about me? And so there are lots of things that we do. So when someone appears to be enjoying their victim status. Mm. It's not because they're enjoying it. It's because it's become a familiar blanket. And the fear, even though, you see this is the, this is the tragedy. They're in a, an unhappy place. Yeah. Because there is nobody and yet to meet anyone who says my dream and my plan for my life is to not achieve anything. Mm. I've never heard it. Oh, no. There's nobody you will ask who says, "Well, you know, I don't have a dream or I have never had a dream." Usually we do, but life beats it out of us. Yes. And so what happens to people like that is that the place they're in if we look at percentages, maybe it's only a 20% happiness quotient, for example. Mm. Right? on the other side of courage on the other side of making a difference on the other side of pushing past the trauma is 70 80 90% of happiness yeah but from here it's like how can you ask me to let go of what i have mm. to chase after some elusive thing i'm afraid i can't do it so what i will then do because the human mind is also extremely creative. Yeah. And so you will tell yourself, "No, I really like it. I'm just grateful to God. Mm. I'm just grateful. After all it could be worse." Yeah. Da, da, da. You know, and you, you're watching them and you're frustrated because you're saying, "Look, there's so much more that you can have." Yes. But they can't they can see it. It's not that they can't see it. They can see it, but the effort required. Mm. Oh, because the courage required is massive. Yes. I'm not going to lie to you and tell my story as if, oh, I just decided. It took me 10 years mm. 
10 years from that light bulb moment to the day that I spoke my truth on Instagram Live. That was 10 years. Wow. So I'm not saying it's easy. Now, if I'd had the right coach, it might have taken me two years. It might have taken me one year. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I first spent the first like six or seven years trying to do it on my own. But so that's what it is for those people. And so what I say to them is, in your quiet time, because the time comes when everybody must tell themselves the truth. The truth, yes. A time comes. A time comes. You know, your trauma has been lying to you. You've been agreeing to lie to yourself. Mm. At some point, I say, stand up for you because you are worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's literally as if you're in a court of law. Stand, Be your own attorney. Be your own lawyer. Yeah. And you for your own self. And so, what have you lost? Tell the truth. Examine where you are. Is this really where you want to be? Is this really who you want to be? Are you truly happy like this? All those excuses that you give people, can you really give yourself those excuses? Mm. And not feel like a fraud? Because you know it's not true. And so, sometimes all you need to do is put your hand up and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. That's what I did when I went to my GP. I need help. At the time I went, I was afraid. You know, I thought, oh, they put it in my records. Only God knows what's going to happen to me. But I did it. And so that's what I say to, that's what I would say to someone in that situation. And there are lots of people like that. You've already lost so much. How much more will you lose? How much has it cost you already? How much more are you willing to let you... Let it rub you off. Hmm. That's really what it is. But in the final analysis, like you said, the person has to take responsibility. Absolutely. You can't do it for them, no matter how much you love them. Mm-hmm. You can't. You really cannot. No, mm. Thank you so much, Coach Babes. This has been a very impactful discussion even for me you know to think about about my own journey and and just to understand what touch points have i you know had to to you know put my feet in the door and just try to create space for myself as well <laughs> that that has been helpful you know so thank you so much for joining us on this podcast um i hope you know to our listeners i hope they gained you know a thing or two to help them in their journey to emotional healing. Um, so Coach Beams, do you want to just tell us, you know, where our listeners can find you if they wanted to reach out to you? Okay, thank you so much again for having me. Before I give out my links, I just want to say thank you. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Flourish Freely with Beams. Flourish freely because that's what we do we flourish free of any shackles of any barriers flourish freely with bims my name um on instagram and so you can send me a dm on instagram and also on my instagram bio there is a button for email if you click on that button it'll send an email to me directly so you don't need to remember my email address but if you'd like it it is bims at flourishfreely.com Thank you so much, Coach Bames.
Thank you for joining me this week on Activate Your Goals podcast. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at coachingwithyemi and at coachingwithyemi.com. If you love the show, subscribe and leave a review for more winning episodes. Until next week, stay winning.